Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, Acts 17, beginning in verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went to the synagogues of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Good morning. It is certainly a gorgeous day in which we are able to come together to worship God. We are certainly grateful for your presence and your interest in spiritual things, your desire to come and worship the Lord and to be an encouragement to the brethren here. We have those that are visiting with us. We are especially grateful that you have come our way and we would invite you to come back at any opportunity that you might have. We are wrapping up a very busy week that we've had this past week. And I love gospel meetings. I think they are very beneficial. I grew up going to gospel meetings as a child. My Not only where we were members at, we would always attend the, the local gospel meetings that we had, but my dad, he would oftentimes travel to other gospel meetings in the area. And I, some of my favorite memories came from loading up in the car with a couple of preachers, my dad and uh, a man, a couple of men from Fort Smith, Arkansas, one of them being Lowell, Lowell Blassingame. I don't know if any of you know Lowell, but he was a very faithful gospel preacher. He has gone on to his reward. But he would oftentimes, he, him being the older gentleman of the crowd, he was probably in his 70s, mid-70s at the time, he said to my dad or the other younger guy that was there, he'd say, you guys drive my car. And he said, I'm going to ride in the back with Sean. And he would ride in the back seat with me. When I was 12, 13 years old, I knew I was getting the back seat no matter what. So he would, try, he would ride in the back with me and he would talk with me for an hour going to a gospel meeting. And then, especially if we went to Russellville, Arkansas, after the meeting, he would say, Boys, we're going to go to Feltner's Whataburger. If you've never had Feltner's, then that's not anything like the chain from Texas. Let me tell you, it's a whole lot better. And he said, I'm going to buy Sean a milkshake. You guys have to take care of yourself, but I'm going to get him a milkshake. Loved going to gospel meetings. They were formative for me, uh, and they were certainly beneficial for me as I was growing up, as I was trying to learn more of the Bible as I was trying to learn more and gain more wisdom and understanding, I had some very meaningful conversations with people who knew about the Bible. I heard lessons preached. I formed relationships and friendships that have lasted to this very day because of going to those meetings. However, people, I believe, sometimes get disappointed with gospel meetings. They meant that well, attendance isn't what it used to be. That might be true. That maybe we didn't have any conversions. We didn't have anyone baptized. They lament that. Again, that might be true up to this point. 
But the thing about gospel meetings is that you never know how long that effect will last. And I believe we need to sometimes recognize that the last the, the effect can be lasting for over a lifetime. And I think we need to understand that we need to change the way that we measure success of a gospel meeting. It should not just be that we measure by attendance or by conversions. That we need to recognize that we are making an investment and sometimes that investment takes time to produce fruit. And if the only way we measure the success of a meeting is by numerical standards, then we are certainly going to be setting ourselves up for disappointment. And I agree that gospel meetings could become a failure if we came and supported the meeting, but we don't choose to do anything about it after the meeting is over. But now that the meeting is over, we have a challenge before us. What are we going to do about it? I appreciated very much Joe's comments at the end of Friday night that he initiated that challenge, that this would have been time wasted if we came all week and we attended and supported the meeting all week long, but we left without resolving anything in our life. And making a commitment and, a re, and revolving, uh, resolving to do something about it. And Caleb last week initiated a challenge to us from Acts chapter 17 to be like the Bereans. To be people who investigated the Word of God. Who did so on a daily basis to test and to see if what was spoken was true. I believe it is very much in harmony with what James says. In James chapter 1, I invite you to be turning there with me in James chapter 1 notice what James says beginning in verse 19 he says this you know my beloved brethren but everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of god therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls he tells us that we need to be quick to hear. I don't think he's just talking in the proverbial sense about uh, good activity. I think he has a very specific application in mind. How do we hear God's Word? Because that's exactly where he goes. He's talking about the Word of God and how it is able to save your soul. It is able to produce the righteousness of God in your life. That is how powerful and how effective God's Word is. It's like that seed that is implanted and it grows. And he goes on in verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his face, his natural face, in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. James is trying to point out here that people who only hear God's Word are self-deceived. They delude themselves. 
myself into thinking that I've done enough, I've done my part, I've heard God's Word, and that's going to be enough to produce faith in me. But James goes on in James chapter 2 to talk about how faith without works is dead. So it's just that we are only hearing something, it's that we have to be committed to doing something about it. And James is setting all this up so that we are not self-deceived. And he goes on to talk about how hearers only, they are not self-aware of their condition. They have not trained themselves. They have not trained their senses to understand who they are. It's like that person who would look at the mirror in the morning and who sees that their hair is a mess. I don't have that problem, thankfully. But that sees their hair is a mess and they don't do anything about it. They don't fix themselves up to make themselves presentable. He says they're just ignorant of their spiritual condition. They're not self-aware. And even if they are aware, they do not do anything about it. They become lazy about it. And they're willfully ignorant. But then he contrasts that with the person who hears and does. In verse 25, he says that this person looks intently at the law, the perfect law, the law of liberty, that they look intently with the intention to do something about it. To do something about what they have heard. And that is what will bring a blessing into our life. Is if we are intentional in our hearing. Intentional and we set ourselves on a path to doing and to perform and have service for God. This week we had excellent attendance. If you weren't here, then you missed out on a good opportunity to hear God's Word. The meeting was well supported. And we heard lessons from God's Word that challenged us to grow, meditate, and consider ways we can improve our service to the Lord. But I want to submit to you that what the Bible expects of us and what God expects of us is something more now. Now the meeting is over. Now it's our turn. Last week we had Philip here and he did a good job of preaching for us. And now he has put in his work, hasn't he? He put in his work. Now it's our turn to get to work. What are we going to do about it? There's a challenge now that we need to meet. That we are going to become doers of the Word. Are we going to be allowing that Word that we heard preached to become the seed that is planted in our hearts? Are we going to allow the Word that was preached to change us? Or just after a week of hearing Bible-based lessons, are we going to go back to our old ways and our half-hearted, complacent ways? Which direction are we going to go? That's what we have to think about now. Last week we heard several lessons and I'm just putting the, the titles of the lessons to give you a, a little bit of a reminder that we began by thinking about our relationship with the world. And as Caleb taught, he, he showed us that the world is a form of Babylon. That we are living as exiles. Babylon was a figure and a representative of the forces of Satan, the darkness that we live in in this world. And that we live in Babylon in a form or a type 
And that we have to view our relationship with the world as distinct, as separate. That we are called to not live like Babylon. That we are called as God's people to live holy lives. That we are merely pilgrims here. We are citizens of a better country, of a better city. Something far better than what this world can offer to us. And that one of the ways that we are going to be able to do that is by having a relationship with one another in the community of Christ, in the church. That we have our relationships here among fellow citizens of that better country in the church of Jesus Christ. That He died for us so that we could love each other and encourage each other and be a, a source of strength to one another. And that if we are going to be able to overcome Babylon, we are not going to be able to do it alone. We're not going to be able to do it through isolation. That we have to develop a community of relationships with one another. And then he talked about one of the greatest challenges on a local or smaller scale level. And how we have to battle for the home. How we have to preserve holiness not just in the church, but in our homes. You know, Satan is invited into our homes through television, through the internet, through all sorts of other things. We have to be on the fight. We have to constantly be ready. We have to constantly be raising our children, the next generation, and that we have to view that as an important task, an important job, because we are raising the next generation. And their mistakes could very well become a reflection on the jobs that we did to prepare them as parents or as grandparents. There's an important battle that we have to engage in. And it begins with raising our children to walk in the light. And we have to teach them about those things. We looked at the dangers of social media how that can be an entrapment and how we must use it wisely and how we can be sure that we are not being brought in, sucked into the powers of Satan in Babylon and using it like everyone else. Or what he talked about with pornography and how the world is just so sexually driven and sexual lust and a temptation that Satan uses to ensnare us and bring us under his power that we cannot be ignorant of His devices and how Satan works. Finally, we invested time on Thursday evening thinking about the idols that we have in our life. The idols that we have constructed. That we have to be self-aware. As James talked about in James 1. That we have to look within the law of liberty we have to look intentionally. We have to be self-aware. We have to develop an awareness of what is our idol? What is the thing that we are serving? Are we serving God or are we serving ourselves, or Babylon and Satan? Those are some of the things that we have been heard and we have been challenged with. And there's a lot of application that we can be making in our life that we need to be thinking about. But I could not help but think throughout the week of the one word that kept coming to my mind, and it's a call to faithfulness. 
that we have been called to faithful service to God. And faithfulness is motivated by our complete love for God. In the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 22, as Jesus was being questioned on that occasion, in Matthew chapter 22, He was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And He said in verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You think about how Jesus summed that up, quoting from the Old Testament, that our faithfulness, our service to God, is motivated and rooted in a love for the Lord. We're not subscribing to old heart faithfulness. We want to be faithful because we love God. And it is going to require something of us. It's going to require everything from us. All of your heart. Not some of your heart. But every bit of it. All of your soul. Not some of your soul. But all of it. All of your mind. Even our intellect, our knowledge, it comes under the scope of faithfulness to God. Are we increasing in our knowledge and our understanding of God's Word? Now maybe you thought of another word. Holiness might be a word that we could have used. Faithfulness. Love for God. But I think if we understand our commitment to God. God has saved us. He has redeemed us and He has made us anew. We are a new creature in Christ. And because of God's redeeming work, He requires that we be faithful to Him in all things. Not just what we pick and choose, but we are talking about a radical reorientation of our life that our life is centered around God. God is the hub of everything that we do. Everything is filtered through this idea. Do we love God with our entire, complete self, heart, soul, and mind? That's what we have to ask ourselves. I believe we see this in the pages of the New Testament, exemplified in the church of Colossae. In the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, I invite you to be opening your Bibles to that passage of Scripture. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul talks about faithfulness here on this occasion. He says, as his opening in the letter, in Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 2, he says, "...to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father." I just love that description that he's describing these people as saints, the sanctified, the set-apart ones, and faithful brethren. Our holiness, our sanctification is completely connected with our faithfulness to God. And to the saints and faithful brethren, he points out how they are, how people have heard of their faith in verse 4. He says, since we, the apostles and Paul, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Again, you see 
this connection uh, with love for our brethren, this sincere desire to be faithful and the sanctified, the set apart, all of these things are interrelated and interconnected. He goes on in verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He goes on to talk about how we are strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the evening of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the light of the saints in light. And because of our faithfulness, because of our desire to be pleasing to God, because of our love for each other, we're going to have a commitment growing and desiring more and more knowledge that we are going to try to be like a sponge who just absorbs God's will in our life and our understanding is going to try to always be increasing. And our faithfulness is going to be seen through the good works that we produce. That we are going to not be just that sponge who just absorbs, but we're going to be more like a that seed that's planted in a ground that begins to produce life. Produce something. In our good works, our faithfulness will become evident. That the knowledge and the wisdom, the understanding that we are growing in, it's going to cause us to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. In a manner that's pleasing to the Lord always bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in our knowledge. Faithfulness is a high demand. When we use that word faithfulness, we're not just talking about faithfulness in our attendance, although that's extremely important. But that's just one facet of our life in Christ. We're talking about our faithfulness on a daily basis. Are you faithful to the Lord? Are you studying and reading and meditating? Are you living the Gospel on a daily basis? Faithfulness is a high calling. And we need to be sure that we are prepared to bear fruit. And it begins with that intentionality that we've heard God's Word and now we are ready to do God's Word and to put it into action through faithful service to God. So are we going to bear fruit? Are we going to be faithful in that? As James says in James chapter 1, I love the statement that he makes in James 1 and in verse 25. He talks about this and adds a little bit of a qualifier to the statement that it's not just hearing only and doing, or hearing only or hearing and doing. He says in verse twenty-five, "But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer." Are we being effective in our doing? 
being effective in our obedience. It's not just obedience for the sake of obedience, but it's are we being effective in our obedience? Are we an effectual doer of the word that we've heard? Are we separating ourselves from Babylon? Are we going to see ourselves as separate? That we are citizens of a different country, a different place. And that we are going to come out of Babylon. We're not going to be tied to this place and this world and all the things that this world has to offer. Are we going to be separate and holy in our living? And a very specific point of application, as we mentioned, Joe mentioned it the other night, and I've seen it, we, we had good attendance throughout the week. Sometimes I'm afraid that we attend a special event because of, a, of its special nature, and we put our regular attendance or our regular meeting with the saints in a different kind of category. We think of it as a separate thing that I can miss that a little more often. Or is our attendance going to continue to be the same as it was during the meeting, or are we going to go back to our old ways? We need to think about these things. Faithfulness demands effective doing. It demands our complete self. Parents, are we going to try to parent our children better? Are we going to try to protect them from the sins of this world? Are we going to try to teach them why this world and its evils need to be a way out of our life? Are we going to try to teach our children about commitment and faithfulness to God? Are we going to study with them? Are we going to meditate God's Word with them? Are we going to fight for sexual purity? This world is always attacking. Satan is always proud. And he's going to look for us in moments of weakness. Are we going to be prepared to resist temptation? In 1 Peter chapter 5, in 1 Peter chapter 5, and in verse 8, be a spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If you've ever watched some of those nature channels, then you, you might have noticed that sometimes the lion, when they're on the hunt, when they're on the prowl, they don't go for the strong ones at the front. They usually are content to pick off the weak ones at the back. Who are you? Are you strong and the front? Or are you the weak, sickly ones that are not able to resist and have no strength, easily picked off? We have to fight for sexual purity. We have to resist temptation. We have to be wholly devoted to God. And I think it will help if we can set our eyes and our focus on our home in heaven. In 2 Peter chapter 1, in 2 Peter chapter 1, and in verse 11, note what Peter says. 
as he's been talking about our diligence to be adding to our faith and growing, he says in verse 11, For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. I love the language that Peter says, and it exudes with confidence that we can have. That as we are seeking to grow and develop in our life, what does he tell us? That this entrance into the eternal kingdom, it will be supplied to you. There's no doubt about it. That we can have confidence that if we are doing what God says, we can have a degree of confidence. That's called hope. Expectation and desire. That we can have hope, a confidence, a firm expectation that heaven will be ours. We will dwell in that eternal kingdom with God, our Lord, where we are singing and worshiping and serving Him for all of eternity. And yet, what does Satan want us to do? in this world. He wants to distract us with everything else. He wants to distract us with the Arkansas Razorback game. He wants to distract us with all the things. You may not be a Razorback fan, but just fill in whatever your favorite team is. But he distracts us with everything. world. He distracts us with our phones. He distracts us with everything that He can use, and He doesn't care what it is, as long as it causes our focus to turn away from Him. And to turn away from heaven. Where is your focus? Where is your mind? Is it on that eternal home in heaven? Is if we're seeking to grow and develop in our life, then we have a home that is promised to us. This past week has been a call to be more faithful to God. To be better in our service to Him. And throughout the meeting, we were told about the grace of God. And how by God's grace and by His power, we can overcome the forces of Satan. We can overcome temptation and sin, the forces of Babylon that are at work. I think Caleb did a good job of exposing the the devices of Satan. The things that have been brought to light have now been exposed. The things that lived and thrived in darkness, light has been cast upon them. And we are more equipped to defeat those evils and bring ourselves under the control of Christ. God in His grace is calling you. He wants you to come out from Babylon. He wants you to come out from the world. He wants you to be sanctified. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be faithful to Him. Now that the meeting is over, what are you going to do about it? It's out of Caleb's hands. It's out of 
anyone else's hands. It is rest in your decision and in your commitment. What are you going to do now that we've heard these things? Are you going to be a hearer only or are you going to become an effectual doer of God's Word? God is calling you. He desires for you to come to Him. He desires to save you from your sins and rescue you from the powers of darkness, the forces of evil that are out there. He wants you to come to Him and become His child. And you can do that if you would come in faith and have your sins washed away in the waters of baptism. You can become a child of God and He can add you to the community of Christ, the Lord's church. And you can have an opportunity to grow and thrive and live in service to God. But maybe it is that the powers of darkness have held you captive. This morning, are you ready to let go of those things? Maybe you've already become a child of God, but you've gone back to the world. You've allowed the world to hold on to you. Will you come back to Him? We want you to. We're here to help you and encourage you. If you come confessing your sins, we're here to pray with you and encourage you in whatever way we can. If you're subject to the invitation, will you come now as we stand and as we sit?